This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Final Fantasy Lorecast, a podcast dedicated to the history and lore of the Final Fantasy series. Join us as we take a deep dive into the different worlds, characters, and so much more. Welcome back, Warriors of Light, to another episode of the Final Fantasy Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, followed by my two other hosts with me today, Steven. Oh, what's up? And Trey. Hello. Welcome back, He's Trey. Back. We we missed you last week. Um, yeah, we, like our expert one show. through I five. Find- <laughs> I quite enjoyed getting to listen. Um, I only had one bit that I would have really, really, I really, really missed not being able to jump in on, but we'll get into that later. But it was a great show, you two, uh, but I am glad to be back to talk some Final Fantasy. And we are glad to have you back. And this week we are doing another part two of our magic series. And with this episode, we are going into the story implications of magic being the central plot point in some of the Final Fantasy games. And you would think, like, oh, okay, isn't that all the games? Well, no. Not even close. Only, like, half of the games really have, like, strong implications of magic being as the single plot point. So, obviously, so you would think we start with one. Funny enough... One through three, the plot point has nothing to do with magic. Nope. Yeah. Shocker. All crystals. It's all crystals, exactly. So Final Fantasy Four, though, that is where we first get like the first game that has the actual plot point magic being the centralized thing that ties the story together. So we have the demon Cag- Cagnozzle. Kanazo, uh, under the guise of the King of Baron, orders the village of the summoners destroyed because he fears their power. Radia is the only survivor and her powers become pivotal into world safety. So right then and there, we have literally a demon wipes out an entire village of summoners because they fear the magic and power that the summoners have. Sounds familiar. Much like most fantasy plots of with demon kings and you know heroes and all that watch go watch any like isekai or any fantasy anime it's literally the plot yeah there's also another game in the series that has that as a plot oh i mean there's a reason that it's 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 such a stereotypical plot though because it's it's true power corrupts and when you're you're at that top like that's just the way it works in the world both in Final Fantasy and reality. Yep, that's true. So, and then Meteor is a fable spell in which such power is sealed away. Tella uh, seeks its power to avenge his daughter when Golbez and Fusilla battle Zemus. They catch the twin Meteor only to see Zemus rise again as Zeromus. In the 3D remake releases... It is mentioned that the gift of magic was bestowed on humans by Luanarn Kula, 
the Lunars were attuned to magic naturally, including Fusia, uh, Fusia, Golbez, and Xenomus, although the young Golbez lamented his inability to use healing spells. All right, Trey, we need your help with this one. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. You played five. Well, you gotta tell. well, this is four, isn't it? Yeah, this is four. Oh, four. Okay. Okay. Um, this is the one with Kane. But so I'm looking it up now. And Lunarian, those are those are just moon people. So so the moon folk gave oh, people on Earth. That's right. The, the magic. This okay. the game um, with the game. lunar so, whale, right? This is, no, this isn't. This is or not, not the one with the uh, lunar the whale. With, or wait, no, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay, but yeah, so it's got the lunar. It, but yeah, so the lunar, the lunar people, they naturally just have magic from, I guess, living on the moon. Um, and as it says in the notes, you know, Fiosha, Golbez, that they, they're all they all have that naturally. But that's where it comes from in four. So when when magic is at first a key plot point, it's just a gift from. The people above, which in this case are the moon. But people I'm sure the people moon. above, the people above having special powers, uh, I'm sure there's not symbolism lost there. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Pretty, pretty common through line in the series. Yeah. And there's then. So now we skip to Final Fantasy VI. So five has nothing to do with magic as a plot point. So we skip to six. So, a thousand years ago, the Warring Triad began the War of the Triad, and many creatures and humans were transformed into magical demigods called Espers, while other humans began using magic extracted from them. The Warring Triad petrified themselves to stop the war, the Espers fled to another dimension, and the magic was forgotten. The few survivors rebuilt the world, and those who still had magical powers found in the village of Thamasa, and although... Over time, their powers dwindled. It remained in, innate and present. I have a question. I hadn't made it this far into six. Trey, have you made it to? Have you finished six? Um, uh, I honestly, I don't ever remember if I beat the last boss or not. I remember getting to the the post world, um, where after Kefka had succeeded and doing all that. Um, but I don't remember if I ever actually beat the boss or not. But that this was also ten plus years ago. Yeah. So do you remember how I just just it says they were transformed into espers? Like, does it ever go into how that happens? Not that I remember. Uh, from what I can tell, it was just the uh, the the triad people, the three magi, magic masters, just use whatever their powers were, I guess, from the, the notes to transform them. But I don't, I'm not oh, sure. Oh, so they no. did. Okay, so they did it. That that's just what I was curious about. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the warring triad. Um, I was like the people with the power. They they just used that to, I guess. But I'm I'm honestly not sure. It sounds a lot like sixteen though where you have the demigods called espers or you know um what icons in 16 and how they they you have the crystal instead of having the crystals they had to actually take the power from the espers themselves but it sounds a lot like the espers and then that same sort of power in 16 that they have in six right Well, I mean, it's it's a similar like there's some similarities between the two with and like 16 
everyday people use crystals to use magic, well, as the icons themselves have an innate innate with them, so they they can wield it like like wield in a sword as easy as wielding right. a sword or something like that. Where a normal person in sixteen they can't. They have to have some sort of like catalyst uh, to use it. But right. there is a drawback, which is a whole other thing. Um, anyway, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. No. So twenty years ago, Emperor Gastali, Gastal, Gastal, yes, that's Skull, right. Uh, found the Esper World with a process developed by here. Here you go, Sid Del Nort Marguez. Uh, he forcefully, forcefully extracted raw magical power from their espers in he captured. This led to a process known as Magitech, and many powerful machines were infused with magical energy as well as people, including Klefka, Palazzo, and Silas Chair, making them Magitech Knights. With magic fuel in their army, the Geshelin Empire conquers much of the world. And this is a, one of the few games that Sid is like actually like an antagonist compared to he's, most games. I mean, a lot of games he's not an antagonist typically. I mean, it, there's a few of them. I mean, just off the top of my head, the ones that I've played, I can think of where he was. I mean, he's never usually a major antagonist. Mm-hmm. And then the Rebel Faction Returners comes across a woman named Tara Bradford. A former Imperial General who lost her memories. She is a child of the Esper Menduin and a woman named Ma- uh, Madeline, making her half Esper and one of the few humans to naturally know magic. The Esper Ramu reveals the Magitech is in- inefficient. The magic extracted is weak and kills the Espers, but when an Esper expires, they become Magicite, which can teach magic at a higher potency and efficiency. So, okay, in this game, as you can tell, Esper Ramu, Ramu is, is, Rama is a primal summon Esper. Espers in this game are essentially the summons. Right. And then, obviously, like, it it doesn't surprise me, uh, Rama is the one that, like, telling all this, because he's typically the one that you see as the sage, or, like, as someone who's like holds the world's knowledge from all the summons or any of the primals or whatever iteration Isn't he that you usually wanna... seen as like the one of intelligence. Yes. Yeah. He's like one of the very few primals slash summons that act that are sentient, like sentient intelligence. I mean, they're all sentient because they're all thinking, willing creatures, but he's the only one that kind of, one of the few that can like actually communicate typically. Yeah, it's like a, almost like a free will kind of thing. Like he yeah. has a mind of his own almost. Correct. Whereas the other ones are usually just forces of weapons. nature. Yeah. Um though in some iterations Garuda is also one with intelligence, but Garuda is also typically a complete jerk for nice <laughs> terms. Um Yeah. 
And then Klefka takes control of the Warren Triad's remains, draining their powers to become the god of magic, reshaping the world into the world of ruin. Klefka rules unopposed with his new powers until the Returners reassemble their ranks and assault his tower. The Warren Triad and Klefka was destroyed and magic vanishes from the world. The party's innate magic fades and the magicite shards they had collected shatter and the world reforms. Due to her emotional attachments to the children of Mobiles, Terra becomes a full human and survives. So, yeah. Um, Yay for happy endings. Yeah. yeah. Also, you know, after the world uh, completely ruined. destroyed and then reshapes and reforms itself. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, most final, I mean, I can't remember for sure. Like, I've only played a few here and there. That I've finished, but a lot. I mean, some Final Fantasies have nice endings, where others don't. I can think of one. <laughs> the other ones are kind of like it's always either bittersweet or like, yeah, start over again. Basically, it's just that's yeah. Good point. Most of the ones I've played is like all I know. Fresh. All I know is the one that doesn't have a good ending is the most recent one. I haven't finished it, but all I've I will, all I was told is the ending is you'll cry, is what I was told. Yeah, I mean it's, it's not, not bad. Ending. Yeah, it's not bad. No, it's not bad ending. Oh, okay, what the-, the only one that I can think of that has like a, a, I mean bad endings would, I mean this is spoilers obviously, but ten technically you know you're you beat the boss, but then you're character is gone um hmm. and same thing with seven like everybody dies technically i mean that's open to interpretation but yeah but then they had the be advent children um movie that came out afterwards which is I like, th- why do people think you people think everyone dies at the end of seven i've never that's what i was that. always under the impression yeah, of because advent children well, uh changes that to where they actually survive and then why because they thing. they show the the guy running yeah, when there's nothing around, it's just, just nature basically. I mean, they live uh, hundreds of years. I just took that as hundreds of years from now, civilization like he's running free and things are good. I never took that as they were dead. I mean, they were dead, but they could have lived very long, healthy lives and died, and Red would have still been, you know, aging. I just assumed that was humanity was gone. And that's why they stopped. You know, they, they stopped sucking up the uh, Mako and that's why everything was the the planet was flourishing again. Oh, I mean I, I I I thought I think that I think that what you just said I also thought that I just also thought people survived. I thought people lived and they just weren't necessarily sucking that Mako energy up to to survive. They were living they were living that clean energy life. Hmm. I mean it's possible. Well, I, they don't really go out and say I guess they retconned it and Advent children, just like they did with X2. But speaking of seven, that is the next game we're going into. Get so into it. Magic is via materia. So orbs of uh, myth- mythical energy created by a condensed Mako from the live stream. As the live stream is the collective consciousness of all who have lived, materia allows the holder to access its knowledge and tap into the power of the planet, manifesting as magic and other abilities. Yeah, uh, this is how you use magic in 7. You have these crystals that you jam into your sword. 
<laughs> it's the power of dead people. <laughs> it's yeah. dead people to cast fire. Yeah. So, and as such, magic is the materialization of spiritual energy. Ancients were said to have been able to use magic without the use of materia. Professor Hojo, a scientist for the Shinra Electric Power Company, studied materia but was unable to grasp its secrets. He objected to the use of the term magic to describe the powers of materia. I mean, that makes sense. If you don't understand it, it's magic. Yeah. And if it makes a phenomenon that you can't comprehend, yeah, it typically most people would call it magic. Because but I, I see why he doesn't like the term because he's a scientist, so there is oh, no yeah. such thing as magic. It's just science that isn't understood yet in his eyes, and maybe that's why he's so crazy focused and doesn't care about what he's doing to get the results. He just has to find the results. True. Yeah. He's a gook. <laughs> and then few can manifest magic-like powers uh, in their limit breaks, although it's unknown if it is related to magic in any way. Just one of those Final Fantasy things. Yep. It never, never comes up again. Pretty much. And then certain ultimate spells are too powerful for normal human to use. Meteor is the ultimate... Uh, black magic with the power to destroy the planet by summoning an asteroid from outer space. The ultimate white magic has the power to stop it wholly. Both great spells manifest via special materia, the black materia for meteor and the white materia for holy. And I mean, kind of a spoiler, kind of not spoiler. I mean, the game seven's been out for over two decades. Um, the whole point of Sethroth's quest is to get meteor to destroy the planet for it to be reborn kind of a thing and then Aerith being the good good hearted person in your party wants the white materia to stop it mm-hmm. and she's also the healer of the entire party well until halfway part. through the game <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's aware of that <laughs> yeah yeah I mean uh, if you're not aware of how when we first see Sethroth in the first original Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Um plot twist. Aerith dies with a giant uh, katana. Man, now I need to go play Final Fantasy Seven again, but I, I'm in the middle of nine. But you're right. So I, I love how they use magic in, in seven. Um and just the way that uh, like Steven said, it's just all, all our dead friends are helping us out with, with the magic powers that they have inside. Yep. Yeah. Which I'm curious if they're going to like change anything. I mean, we uh, so the seven remakes out and if you haven't played that, go play it. It's great. They, I mean, they have the same like situation materials there. The Shinra company is mining it to supply power. It's slowly killing the planet, yada, yada, yada. I'm curious going forward with Rebirth if they're going to change anything. Cause re- so, spoilers for the remake if you haven't played it. Um, at the end of the game, you leave Midgard. So the entire first, like the entire remake game, you're in Midgard, which in the original game was two maybe three hours of gameplay well, longer than that because it took a while it? to get through well you had to do walmart get and you had to do shinra and yeah but i mean um, 
I would say it's at least it's at least seven to ten. If you do do everything. If you do everything. If you're just doing story, it's not that long. It's maybe like four hours of game, four or five hours of gameplay. If you just go through straight through the story. Yeah, but you're gonna have a tough time. Well, yeah, later on in the game. You would have to know what you were doing. I feel I feel like the average person playing it the first go around, they're probably spending, oh, yeah, you know, at least seven hours. Right, yeah. So, like, for comparison's sake, you spent seven to ten hours probably on average on your first playthrough for that. Whereas, like you were saying, the remake, it's that part, but it's expanded to what, 40, 50 hours? <laughs> it's about 50 to 60 wow. hours of gameplay. That's just the story, by the way. That's not the side crap they have. And so then the PS5 version, the integrated edition, add even more with the Yuffie cha- inter- interlude chapters. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, they expanded a bunch upon it, and it, it's going to be interesting where they go with Rebirth to see if they do. I mean, obviously there's going to be changes because there was me- there was a lot of changes in the remake. Um. Mm. Spoiler. So in the original, you see Sothoroth literally halfway through the game of the original seven is when you first see him. In the remake, you see him after your first like hour and a half to two hours of gameplay. Yes, literally after the first mission. Literally after the first train mission. Like in the original seven, you do the original train mission and everything. Everything's exactly the same. And then that's when it stops being the same. Mm-hmm. is after that train mission is where oh hey Sothoroth appears out of nowhere and it's like wait what huh yeah and then you see like time dementor things yeah interesting but anyway back to the original seven uh so so words are hard Sufficient. <laughs> Sufficient exposure to the live stream can grant the power to use magic without materia, as shown with Sethroth, who has absorbed so much of the knowledge of the ancients that he no longer needs materia to perform magic. He can also move objects telekinetically, read minds, project illusions, and the, uh, to the minds of others, manifest his sword at will, fly, erect a high interpretable barrier over the North Crater. So yeah, that's why that's why Sephiroth is such a big deal as a Final Fantasy villain is because he literally has gained knowledge of the life stream and all the pe- people who've died to use magic mm-hmm. at will. Yeah, he's very much like Sephiroth or Sephiroth, like Kefka. Yeah. That's why they're always like one two on best villains in the series. Mm-hmm. Just depends on who you ask. And then Sothoroth plans to use Meteor to become a god. A Meteor would create a wound on the planet so great the livestream would be sent out to heal it. Sothoroth plans to take control of the livestream to take over the planet. When Eris gains Boro, uh, travels to the city of the Ancients to summon Holy, Sothoroth kills her. Though he is too late to stop uh, Eris's play, uh, prayer from reaching the planet, he has the power to hold Holy back. Yeah, so that that's the giant scene that we see in the original seven of him coming down and she's praying, and then the sword kind of goes through her chest. Yeah, but you don't know that's what she's doing until after like, the fact. The it's after, yeah, it, it, you don't it's know like almost until, the end of the game. Yeah, uh, normal. Like when you when you're in that scene, it's just like, oh, she's praying. 
and then yeah. like she gets killed and like honestly and that's like when you first see that i mean i teared up when i first played that game and when that happened i was like what she didn't do anything yeah it was the first time i felt emotions in a game i was like what i'm used to playing mario <laughs> dying. exactly what you don't yeah. get emotional when peach gets captured every time <laughs> no not specifically <laughs> Um, and then Cloud Strife and his party descend into Sephiroth's Slayer in the Northern Cave and defeats him, releasing Holy. Holy is sent out too late, and the meteor breaks through it, decimating the metropolis of Midgard. Eris's spirit summons the livestream to force Meteor back and saves the planet. There you have it. I was wrong. So, yeah, none of them die, because then we get the film Advent Children, which is okay, a... So- Direct sequel from the original seven, not the remake. So that that makes sense, though, because it says there that it destroys Midgar, which is the city where all the Mako's being mm-hmm. um, stuffed up. So that would explain why why again. Yeah, because Shinra doesn't exist anymore that. at this point because right. they were decimated into the ground, right. literally. Thank God. Yeah. Hmm. I yeah. hate sh- I. I hate Shinra so much, and the remake made that hatred more because they made him more of a jerk than they are in the original yeah, game. They really let him play out. But I really yeah. liked him in Advent Children, though. That's true. Advent Children's such a good film. And when they, when they're your, when they're jerks on your side, they're just like those charming jerks that you like. But when they're they're not on your side. You just can't, you cannot stand them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But um, at this point, we're going to take a short mid break and we'll be right back. Alright, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore of Final Fantasy. And at this point, I just want to thank everybody listening to our show as we continue to make these episodes. It really helps us, really supports us. And if you do want to support us, there's a few different options you can do. You can join us on patreon.com slash Final Fantasy Lorecast where you can get ad-free episodes. You can even, there's a tier you can sign up on to join us once a month on the show topic of your choosing we can talk about any of the games any theories any upcoming titles or anything like that we can talk about and you can also support us by leaving reviews or ratings on spotify and apple if you leave a five-star review on apple we'll read it out loud on the show and if you leave a nice comment on one of the episodes we read out loud that on the show as well and we actually have a comment this week we have one from our crystals final fantasy through final fantasy 5 so their first crystals episode from hyland uh chuby uh hey guys congratulations on the new show you are doing great job presenting the lore in a fun and approachable way too bad you don't know these early games that well though keep up the good work we're working on it yep yep we're, <laughs> we're working on it um 
we'll, we'll get more info. I mean, by doing this show more and more, we'll get more in-depth in with the lore, in-depth and doing research. We learn more as we do the show. And we'll be playing those games eventually anyway, anyway, so. And that's what we have Trey for. That, that's also true. <laughs> we are doing our best. We are, we are, all three of us are doing our best. <laughs> yep. And, um, you can also join us on a few different discords. You, we are on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. Uh, and we also have our own discord at my, uh, Ben and Friends discord where you can join us uh for this show and the other shows i host the wizard and world lore cast and holocron histories and then also we do record these episodes live every wednesday night at 8 p.m central or 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific on my twitch channel ben of tamaria um and and also for uh i don't remember who it was that you said sent the comment but if you would uh like to join the patreon and come on and pick whichever game you want to tell us about or just go over all of them in general you could spend the hour just educating us in person on everything old school final fantasy we would be happy to have you yeah that that's also a total doable thing that we can do um and we can also join us on the final fantasy 14 mmo we do have a free company on serif called the crystal lore masters and yeah we're we're on there i'm on there very regularly um try and see if we're on there periodically because they like to play other stuff i've been playing mostly 14 right now until Starfield comes out, because that's going to take so much of my time, <laughs> so much. It's 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 a Bethesda game in space, and yeah, I'm I'm pumped. But yeah, anyway, well, Final we're, Fantasy. We're going from one game in space to another game in space with Final Fantasy VIII. So it's that a nice transition there. It will be a nice transition. So let's get back into the show. All right, we're back, and as Trey just said in the mid-break, Final Fantasy VIII, because space. (laughs) So, yeah, magic is the manipulation of the planet's energy fields. Magic can be used by everyone through different means, the main ones being sorcerer's powers, which embodiment, and guardian force junctioning paramagic and sorceress's power to attribute to the legend of the great hind supposedly the creator of the world and the first sorcerer the legend goes that the fragments of the great highlands power were given to women who become sorceresses so um i like how they GFs use just summons icons whatever okay. you want to call them i like how they use junctioning because the junction system <laughs> Is the worst. <laughs> you, you say that, but so last week, the one thing I wanted to jump in on was you guys were talking about the summons, and one of them was about Quincicottle, or I think that's how you say it. it's the Quincicottle, the, the lightning summon. And so in A, it really matters who has what, uh, G, you know, which summon because you get skills based on which GF you have attached to you. And I always had Quincicottle on Squall. He was my main guy. So he, while you guys are laughing, thinking I can't believe they had him instead of Rom or 
and talking about Gruda. For me, growing up, uh, I, you posted on the Twitter on Twitter uh, top five summons. Quince Cottle is probably one of my top five summons because I love him so much just from this game because he's always the one I attach with Squall, and there's no love like your first love. And uh, I played eight first. That was the first summon that really mattered to my first main character. So you guys might hate on Quince Cottle, but he's got a special place right here hey, I, on this corner. I can't say anything because no. I still need to play eight. So I have no, yeah. I have no argument with that. Yeah, I don't hate him. It's just I just not just a fan. The, of you the, just hate the judge imagine my imagine my disappointment <laughs> yeah. that he's not in all the other ones. Yeah, yeah I've I never seen before. I don't remember Quincicato being any of the anything after eight or hearing anything about after eight. But you can keep going now about the passing oh, okay. how the, the <laughs> sorcerer's powers. I just I had to get that rant off because. <laughs> It's such a weird. It's a such a weird summon for me to have the special place for in my heart, and we'll ne- I'll never get the chance again to probably talk about Quincy Cottle. So there it was. Uh, hey, and, I, hey, and I missed hey, it live. We, we so still I'm, I'm we still have our summon season that we'll be doing. So we'll oh, we'll yeah. go over Quincy Cottle and during that we'll definitely have a miscellaneous um, episode where we might not do an episode on all of them, but those our favorite like one or two offs that are in you know like Choco Mog. Yeah. Oh okay. God. Uh, the fat chocobo. Um. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> yes. The passing of the sorceress powers, called the embodiment, called the succession of witches in the Japanese version, became a tradition where the person with the capacity to embody a sorceress power is chosen as a candidate. As such, sorceresses are both respected and feared, which makes sense. Yeah. And then Doctor. Odine, uh, who started out as a monster researcher and moved to study guardian forces, cooperated with the sorceress and um, sorceresses and began studying sorceresses and magic. He developed paramagic, which involves junctioning a guardian force to a person. It is unclear where guardian force resides within the body, but those who rely on the guardian's power suffer memory loss. But junctioning guardian forces, people can use magic by drawing the energy from various sources such as items, draw points, and monsters. Yes. Which goes into the day. fact of where Trey was saying he has uh, Quincicottle tied with Squall. That's literally paramagic. Yeah. I'd imagine, the old, right? That's, it, am I correct? Yeah, the yeah. old amnesia. Okay. The old amnesia trope. Yep. That's and they do so in a if you look in the details of like the start menu stuff it tells you about the memory loss but unless yeah. you go and find it there's no mention of it and they yeah it just the game acts as if everything's normal you know everything's normal hmm. yeah. interesting and then we have Otis Ultimacia, a powerful sorceress from the future, wishes to change the world by compressing time and taking power from all sorceresses ever to have existed. Time compression involves powerful time magic that causes various present states to appear at one time, which causes all sorceresses to exist at one given time to give Ultimacia the opportunity to become the most powerful sorceress in existence in an all-powerful being able to control all of time and space. Time compression requires her to possess a sorceress from the past to draw from their power. However, the seeds 
from a certain past travel through the time compression into her reign to restore the flow of time. So, essentially, Ultimacy is just another version of Ultima. Mm, I think it's kind of. Play. I think it's just a play on the name. Okay. She's just like the big bad in the uh, in the game. She's just trying to take all the sorcerers from throughout time, past, and uh, I guess past because she's in the future, and taking all their powers so she can become the most powerful. Huh. Sounds like I. Uh... Another similarity to 16. Hmm. Kinda. Kinda not really. We'll let you get further further into (laughs) But, um... Yeah, Yeah, it's nice and convoluted. 8 is is one of those where you have to sit down and read it and look at it and then sleep on it another three days and then maybe you might have a handle on it. And even now, I look at it and I read it and I I don't think I really 100% understand it. Well, once you get into time travel and all that kind of stuff, it's always a risk. That's always murky when you get into time travel. That's why I'm not a huge fan of time travel. (laughs) It's not the best. It's just a MacGuffin. That's all it is for storytelling. But anyway, uh, now we jump to Final Fantasy X. So, according to the Final Fantasy X scenario Ultimania, the first development in Spyra was brought about the power of magic. The use of magic depended on individual factors, and those who could use magic naturally had an advantage, while those who couldn't were discriminated against. Thus, the age of the magic civilizations was an age of inequality. So this yeah, this, is this game not is in the w- game at all. So this this is not in the game. No, not okay. Not even mentioned. No. Okay. It's just it's part of the Ultimania, which they. They just made that so they can kind of explain some of the loose ends. Because the Ultimania, up. it's like the the books. Is the Ultimania books? Like Final well, Fantasy I think that, I think mm-hmm. this is talking about like the times back before the war when they had the mages versus people with machines. Yeah, which they don't really. I mean, they talk about it vaguely, but it's not. There's not a lot of detail. Yeah. They don't talk. Yeah, about all we hear. Like, yeah, we don't hear about discrimination or anything like that. All we hear about is people with magic fighting the people without magic. Yeah. And then eventually the people with magic end up casting the spell to keep their vis- version of Spira al- or Spira alive in Xanarkand. And that's where Titus comes from. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And then uh, when Machina was invented, it was original revolutionary and did away with the inequalities machina developed quickly and things once thought impossible rapidly became in reality the endless supply of electricity made cities that never sleep possible so essentially it's just power they made electricity and tech so yay yeah they made machines and stuff that's all modern world tech (laughs) future future modern tech yeah, but I mean they're not. It's for forbidden, quote unquote, in, yeah. in the um, in the future. And I mean, then, I don't know about you guys, but like my dad, growing up, he was the type who he'd rather ride horses, and all this technology was bad. So like, I they had like even today, I still see that kind of mentality about the the ma- the the magic we have today. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. It's I not- don't like. I feel the same way. Like with my cars, I don't like having too many doodads on it because I'm like, well, this is just going to be so expensive well, to fix. 
my car doesn't have cruise control. Give me a roll control. up window. My car doesn't oh, have cruise fun. control, and I hate cruise control. Yeah, who needs it? I used to, my last car I had had a crank window, and I loved it. I had it. one of those you know at one point. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, but then uh, Machina was supposed to be an alternative with those who couldn't use magic, but when it surpassed the power of magic, new problems arose. Some nations possessed outstanding Machina technology, while other nations didn't, and a new age of inequality began. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's just like real world. Just for like real world. Things progress, and then things go back to where it was. Yeah. Sadly. No. And then once Machina was outlawed by the Yvonne Temple, magic again became the prominent power in the world. Some study black and white magic to turn the various spells, but the most respected magic users in Spira are the summoners who embark on a pilgrimage to gain the power of the final Ion monsters and ions use magic naturally, and the most powerful magic user in Spira was Yvonne, uh, whose teachings became revered and spun a new religion in Spira in his followers. Yes. And the use of magic appears related to the manipulation of fireflies, the life energy of Spira. Yeah. Very similar to. Seven yeah. So go back to the live stream. Style. I do love the story of the summoner going on the pilgrimage being the way we get to take the journey on Ten. Though I think that's mm-hmm. a really, a really nice way to tell the story, and it works out. It works really nicely. Yeah, I think Ten might have my favorite story. It has highs and lows, but I think just how it's how it's executed, I think might be my my favorite. It's like a real a real gut punch a lot of the times throughout that game. There's a lot of highs, there's a lot of lows, like even emotionally, there's a lot of positivity. I've only played like the, I think like the very beginning and never got past that. So, ben. so I, I, I was a, I had not. You gotta quit, you gotta quit admitting this on the show, man. Hey, gotta, I can't help be it. Like, yeah. Hey, I'm being honest and truthful here. Okay, I, I don't hide things. Uh, just where I live. <laughs> I I have beaten the game multiple times, Steve, and I agree with you about the story. I think it's one of the strongest in the series. If I recall, and ten and ten two were only on PS3, right? Two PS PS2. two. See, I never had a two, and I, I always loved the way it's like he's telling the story up until you get to Xanarkin, and you right. you get to that scene, and it just builds up so much, and then. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to rant for a second. Then you, you go and fight Unaleska, and it just builds so well. It tells such a good story, and oh, just fantastic. The pacing of it was so great, too. It wasn't like you get to Unaleska, then boom, eight side quests pop up for you to do on your map. <laughs> yeah, it has some really good twists in it that you kind of like, it's there, it's not just one big twist. There's, there's a bunch that happen throughout, and it makes it... Uh, Keeps you on your toes. The first time you play through it, you're like, wow, this is really well done. Well, I will keep that in mind when I finally get through it. I have all the games. I just need to sit down and play a good portion of them. You can play them instead of I played a lot of the newer ones. So the problem is Ben needs to get to a point on 14 where he's fairly caught up on the content. 
So then he can sit down and actually play. See, that's play the problem like because I'm the like. The problem is he, he plays it for two hours and then he gets on 14 and plays 14 for like four hours. That's true. And the problem is on 14, I'm like over, I'm, I'm like, I think 60% done with Heaven's Ward, which is the first expansion. Oh my God. There's <laughs> <laughs> just so much to do. Yeah, so you could just knock out these older games first, and then and go back. To, then you got look at all that content you'll have after you. Hey, that's, well, that's well, a fair. Point. We don't we don't actually have fourteen on the agenda tonight, gentlemen. But we do have the other MMO on the agenda, and I think that's where we're at. We do. We do. we do have eleven. I do like how Trey's reining us in. I, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's smart. Um, but yes, we have Final Fantasy eleven. So, which is the first MMO of the series. So, there are many origins and different perspectives on how magic come came to hands in of the enlightened races and beastmen of Vandalel. Uh, one of the constant facts is how the origins can be traced back to the nation of Windurst and the race of Taru Taru. And so, if you haven't played Eleven, which I don't blame you if you haven't, because I mean you can go back and play it on PC, but is really no reason to at this point. <laughs> Taru Tarus are literally Lollafails from 14. They're the same race. Which well, I know, I think Trey actually plays as a Lollafail. <laughs> are they the little ones? Yes, they're the yeah, little, they're the little ink- ones. Oh. I despise so many Lollafails. So you will meet many Lollafails in the main story that you want to stab in the face because they're I, little... I wanted to be a healer. Mm. I thought they looked like they would be a healer. Um, they so do. They do I, look like that. And it's also fun to play something you're not. I've always been like the tallest person around. I'm I'm six four, so it's not. And I live in a small town. I lived in a small town, so it wasn't like there was a lot of tall people. So it's nice being the small one for a change. Yeah, all the cutscenes you literally just look up straight up because they're that small. Yeah. So yeah, Dang. I I have I have many thoughts on the Lollafell race, more for the fact that the main story of of fourteen. If you haven't played the main story, go and play, like get to the Heaven's Ward. You'll meet many Lollafells you will despise with a passion. Just saying. But anyway, that, the, there's a lot of nice ones, though, too. I will give them that. Um, but according to one tale of a young Tarutaru girl lost around the ruined towers of the wilderness of Sarutabaruta, met the last known living remnant of the Kulu race and was led to the full moon fountain. She gained the power of magic and became her race's first star sibyl. Another tale sh- uh, tells on how the terrestrial avatar Fenrir bestowed the gift of magic upon the Tarotaro upon their discovery in the full moon fountain. Which Fenrir is a another famous creature in the Final Fantasy series, which typically has a connection to Shiva. Well, I just know he's an Earth-ish kind of... He's like a terrestrial kind of... Fenrir? Yeah. Fenrir's a giant wolf. Right. But usually, like... so. Okay, so, spoiler for 9. There is a Fenrir in 9. Sorry to let you no in advance ben but he's literally like the wolf and then a giant fist just comes out of the the earth and shoots the enemy into the sky huh interesting yeah but um i mean fender's also isn't it like loki's son 
yeah. in, in uh, mythology. Yeah, in uh, Norse mythology, Norse. Fenrir is Loki's one of Loki's sons. Yes, this is true. Yeah, the wolf son. Yeah, but yes, uh, Fenrir is always de- de- always de- de- uh, de- shown as a wolf because of Norse mythology and. Final Fantasy takes a lot of things from other mythologies into their own series. Um, but fin- just like in Norse mythology, Fenrir typically has some sort of power. Like he's essentially most of the time associated with ice at times. Depends. Um, but in Final Fantasy, typically Final uh, Fenrir typically deals well, with ice. I love the idea of here in Eleven that Loki's kid is like, you know what, Final Fantasy Eleven. Here, I'm going to give you guys magic and just give yeah. the world magic. That is nice. Specifically, the Lollafell race of Eleven. Why That's Loki? Which is interesting. Um, and then, regardless of the vicinity of the tales, the power of the magic became to be wielded by the Tartaru in a matched proficiency and would usher in the age of magic. Over time, as the powers are they wielded became widespread and the even fell into the hands of the dreaded beastmen. The Tartar isolated themselves in Vanadel discovered a new power that would change in shape. And that is magic in 11. Terrific. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to know. It's like, the Lollafell race of the Eleven is the ones that gain magic rather than like the Elven race. How most fantasy like tropes typically go with elves being the most magical kind of a style. Right. But they do have pointy ears, I guess. I mean, the Lollafells and Tartars have pointy ears. Like I wonder if they gave elves like archery. That's also another typical That's thing also, to give. That is also yeah. another fantasy Maybe they trope. had archery and then the, the shorties had magic yeah <laughs> possibly i don't know i never you know never played 11 and probably won't play 11 because it's pc only and i just eh. i'm already playing one no but you've got an hour until you go live again so you should go play some nine well you got a nice that's true window. but i also have to do edits and it's that takes time. oh yeah and so and really you sh- you should prep a little you know get refreshed but Ow. we we just want you to play nine so we, we can <laughs> oh i know i know but uh and, and then 10 and then 10 okay so it goes from nine to 10 okay yeah. you've already played seven that's true. I have. I have already played seven and I played the remake of seven. So and we'll play and finish Rebirth when it drops. I still gotta Next finish year. the remake. Yeah. The remake is so good. So good. But anyway. That is all we have on this week's episode. Join us next week as we do another episode of Magic into more story plot points with the later games of the series. Um and is there anything you guys want to add before we sign off? Looking forward to talking about 14 next week. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's on the list. I know 15 is. 15 has a lot. Because 15's whole entire story is literally centered around magic. Yeah, that's true. I, I can promise you, even if 14 is not on the list, we will be talking about it. <laughs> probably because of me anyway um thank you for listening to the final fantasy lore cast and may the crystals guide you thank Thank you you for listening to the cast 
You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on Twitter at FFLorecast. And you can email us at FFLorecast at gmail.com.